0: Today, First Kings chapter 10, and today's title is, Not Even the Half Has Been Told. Not Even Half Has Been Told. And I can't wait to get into this today, and I don't know if you've ever done this before, but do you ever have someone kind of try to set your expectations, and then they just blow them out of the water. I had this happen to me one time and it was such an amazing experience. I can't wait to share it with you as we read God's word as well. But as always, before we do that, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure that you are subscribing because we are so close to reaching our 1,000 subscribers and you're going to help us get there. It's kind of just just a fun little goal we've all set for one another. Also, as always, my favorites, the podcast listeners, make sure you're leaving us a five-star review if you haven't already done so. Also, leave us a review. Don't just hit the five stars, which I'm very thankful for, but leave us a review. And we're not gonna keep reading those every day. We're gonna read them on occasion, but we do read them and we we love it so much. And as always, make sure you're going to the Bible Breakdown discussion over on Facebook. We have an amazing team of people that are writing devotions for us every day, and it's so encouraging. And we did have someone contact us and ask us, again, this question. So I'm going <laughs> to answer it again. Okay, listen, I love all of you, but here it goes. It is, Pastor Brandon, when are you going to do the book of Revelation? So listen here. First of all, I love you. Second of all, this is the plan. All right. <laughs> and those of you who know me, you know, I'm I'm, I'm just teasing. All right. But uh, we were doing one New Testament book and one Old Testament book. We're reading 1 Kings right now. And when we get through 1 Kings, we're going to do Colossians. Then we're going to come back and do 2 Kings. And then we're going to do Uh, Philippians, and then we're going to keep going. So we will get to Revelation. As a matter of fact, we'll probably get to Revelation here in about three or four months. So you stick with us every day, and the more we dig, the more we find, and we will get to Revelation because it's an important book. It might be one of the most important books to understand properly, but here's the thing. It's very difficult to understand the book of Revelation if you don't understand the rest of the Bible as well, because there's a lot of things that it pulls from. So you want to make sure that we have a a good solid grasp on the rest of the Bible. So we will get to the book of Revelation, just not yet. All right. But you could almost look at it as these are all the prerequisites to get there. So, when we get there, we're going to have a lot of fun. I promise you. All right. So, if you have your Bible, you want to open it up with me to 1 Kings chapter 10. I'm going to tell you a story real quick while you're getting your Bible set. And I had some of you tell me that you're starting to use your Bible journals as well. And that just means the world to me. So, I'm so thankful. So, um, one time, I was, uh, my wife and I had been invited to go and eat at someone's house. So excited, couldn't wait. And they had told us that they had built a home. Just about a year before then, and they were excited to show it off. They were like, just wanted to show show us their home. And we we love that kind of stuff. And so they were like, hey, you know what? It's it's simple, but we love it, and all this. Well, when I get there, it was amazing. It was it was such an amazing home. It was beautiful, it was wonderful. Just I couldn't I couldn't gush enough about it. I thought it was so wonderful. And it was one of those where I was like, the half hasn't been told. Why did you tell us that? that it wasn't, that it was not this wonderful. And they were just kind of like, oh, well, we didn't want to, we didn't want to brag. And I was like, please brag. The Lord has given you such an amazing home. And it was, a, it was crazy because they were like, uh, you know, we're proud of it. I was like, not only are you proud of it, your neighbors should be proud of this place. It's beautiful. It's what a half hadn't been told. And then what was even uh, more amazing is while my wife and, and this gentleman's wife were having dinner, uh, he said, "Hey, I want, I want you. I want you to come out to this uh, this outbuilding I have out here. I want to show you some more stuff." And he starts showing me this stuff. And it, this, they had this stuff over here and this stuff over here. And he had just these wonderful things. And I told him, "I said, man, you're bragging now. I mean, you know." And I loved it. I was here for it, you know. But he's like, "I'm just like you. Just you're just flexing now." And he looked at me. and He had tears in his eyes. And he said, "You know, I am. And you know why? Every one of these things are gifts that people have given me." And he said, all of these are reminders of God's faithfulness and of friendships that I have. And he said, so it's not, it's not the thing that matters, it's what's behind it that matters. And he was just, just in tears, just saying, I'm so blessed. And it's not because of the things I have, but it's because of what it represents. And it blessed my soul so very much. And we're going to read that today. And we're going to read this. And when we read it, remember where it came from. Solomon's awesome. But remember where it came from, but there's also a warning toward the end of this chapter. So let's dive in and let's see. And there's also just a slight little bit of controversy we're going to jump into as well, but we'll get to that in a moment. First Kings chapter 10, verse 1 says this, When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices. Large quantities of gold and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked to him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace that he had built, she was overwhelmed. She also saw the amazing food that was at his table, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers, the burnt offerings that Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and the wisdom, it's true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day, listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God, who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. And then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold, "...great quantities of spices and precious jewels. Never again were so many spices brought as in those, uh, as, as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In addition, Hiram's ships brought gold of Orpher, and they also brought rich cargos of red sandalwood and precious jewels. The king used the sandalwood to make railings for the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and to construct lyres and harps for the musicians." Never before or since has there been such a supply of sandalwood. And then here's the, here's the controversy. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, besides all the customary gifts that he had so generously given. Then she and all her attendants returned to their own land. Now, here's the controversy. Now, first of all, it's amazing. It's amazing that a queen comes to your kingdom and is like, dude, you got this. <laughs> You rocking it. You know, half hadn't been told. That's awesome. Here's the two controversies. Number one is, first of all, according to history and and, uh, legend, when the Queen of Sheba went back to Ethiopia, she began to worship the God of Solomon, Yahweh. And as she began to, and we say in English, Jehovah, and as she began to worship, they continued to worship Yahweh all the way through history, even to the point that in the book of Acts, The Bible says, and I believe it's Acts chapter 8, that a guy named Philip once was, was walking along the way, and he saw an Ethiopian eunuch reading the book of Isaiah because he had been to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. Well, the reason why he had been is because, according to legend, after the Queen of Sheba went back to Ethiopia, they began to worship Yahweh, and it continued all the way until the book of Acts. So it's amazing to realize that according to legend and from this chapter, that the worship of Yahweh began in Ethiopia from this day. Here's the controversy. I'm going to read this verse again. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, besides all the customary gifts that had been so generously given. Now, there is a a controversy where there are people from Ethiopia who claim to have Jewish ancestry— and one of the reasons why they claim to have Jewish ancestry, and it's a point of contention, and depending on who you ask, depends on how fiery they'll get on one side of the debate or other. But there is this contention that the Queen of Sheba asked to have a son with Solomon. She asked that he would uh, allow her to bear his son so that his wisdom would, would be part of her lineage. Now, is there any support for this? No. (laughs) But it is a point of controversy because there were some Ethiopians who came and said they had a a right to be part of the Israeli heritage because of this supposed controversy. And so I would encourage you to do your own digging, do your own diving, uh, because there is this contingency that says, well, that's what she asked for. And the Bible said Solomon gave the queen whatever she asked for. So I tend to think, no, that didn't happen. But it is something very interesting to look into and to see. So here we go. Let's finish this chapter where Solomon's is going to start flexing on us. Each year, Solomon received 25 tons of gold. This did not include all the additional revenue he received from the merchants and traders, uh, all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of hammered gold, each weighing nearly 400 pounds. The king placed these shields in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a huge throne decorated with ivory, overlaid with fine gold. That thing looked awesome. The throne had six steps and a rounded back. There were... Um, armrests on both sides of the seat, and the figure of a lion stood on each side of the throne. Can you imagine? There were also 12 other lions, one standing on each end of the six steps. No other throne in the world could compare with it. I bet, right? Verse 21, all of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold and were all the utensils that that were in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. They were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. The king had a fleet of trading ships of Tarshish that sailed with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years, the ships would return loaded with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks, which is weird, right? Not only do we have gold and silver, we have some wild animals. Okay, fine, whatever. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. People from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom God had given him. Year after year, everyone who visited brought him gifts, gifts of silver, which he didn't care that much for, and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. Can you imagine for a moment? You, there's a list of people. There's a line of people who are bringing him gold and silver and clothing, and you, the joker, brought a mule. <laughs> you know you showed up thinking, man, this is my best mule. He's going to be so excited. And then you see all of this and go, "Huh, uh, maybe I go to the back of the line and wait until one else is looking. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right, 26. Solomon brought, uh, built a huge force of chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone. And if you've been to Jerusalem... There's a lot of stones around there. And valuable cedar timbers was as common as the sycamore trees that grow in the hills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Cilicia. The king's traders acquired them from Cilicia at the standard price. At the time, chariots from Egypt could not be purchased for 600 pieces of silver and horses Uh, Could be purchased for 600 pieces of silver and for 100 pieces, and the horses for 100 pieces of silver. I'm getting tongue tied. And they were exported to the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram. So it's almost like the guy I was telling you about earlier. You go and you look at all of this stuff and you're just amazed. It's just awesome. It's like, this is great. And then he says, What you don't understand is all of these are gifts. And when you realize who they're from, it makes them even more amazing. And that's one of the things I want to encourage you with is, does everybody have everything that they want? Probably not. Most people I know have at least one thing that they're believing God for, and that's okay. But I want to encourage you today, before the day is over, to look around you. You get home, get to your apartment, whatever that looks like, look around you. And instead of seeing what you don't have, look at what you do have and remember that every single thing you have is a gift. Every one of these horses is a gift. Every one, of these, every one of these tons of gold are gifts. And even though these are gifts from other people, ultimately all of these gifts are from the Lord. So when you look around, the clothes that you're wearing, the food that you eat, uh, if you have a family, the family, um, your car, if you have a car, all, all these different things, whatever it might be, these are all gifts ultimately from the Lord. Well, say, well, pastor, that wasn't a gift. I earned that. Well, who gave you that heartbeat? Who gave you the, the ability to breathe? Who gave you that body to move around so that you could go do your job? Ultimately, it all comes from the Lord. And so when you realize that everything you have is a gift, it makes it that much more special. But here's the warning at the end. Always remember that it is the gift giver that's important, not the gift. And here's why. Because... In the five books of Moses, one of the places it talks about is what a king was supposed to do. One of the things a king was not supposed to do is he was not supposed to collect for him an abundance of chariots, and abundance of horses. Because the goal was, is do the best you can, but always remember victory comes from the Lord. Because if you, you start to acquire too much of these things, then you'll begin to think that the strength comes from you alone and not from God. Well, if you saw at the very end, the Bible says that Solomon built a huge force of chariots and horses. And as we begin to see, unfortunately, in the chapters coming, slowly Solomon's heart starts to very slowly turn toward other things. And I don't know, but is it possible that if we're not careful, sometimes we'll forget that everything we have in our life is a gift, and we begin to think that we're the ones that are... Ultimately responsible for our success or ultimate response for everything we have. And we can begin to forget what a blessing it truly is. And I don't know if that may be what happened to Solomon, but it can definitely happen to us. And so that doesn't in any way lessen the needs we have in our life, lessen the prayers that we're praying, none of that. But it does help us remember to never forget everything we have is a gift. Because as long as we can have that gratitude, it will constantly remind us of the joy that we can have because we're not who we want to be. But thank goodness that because of Jesus, we're not who we used to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you're with us and you're for us. Lord, I know that in this life, we're constantly surrounded by the need for more. And Lord, that's not necessarily just a, you know, a want, but we have legitimate needs and we're, we want to make space for that. But I pray today you'll also fill us with a sense of gratitude that you've done so many good things for us. We'll celebrate that today, and we'll remember that you are for us. And that is worth being excited about. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, don't forget that in just a few chapters, there's a challenging word coming our way, and I think it's something we should always remember from 1 Kings chapter 18 from Elijah when he's looking at the nation and he says, How much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. It's easy to follow God in chapters like this. It can be hard to follow God in some of the chapters to come. But always remember, we follow God because he is the source of all things. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 1 Kings chapter 11.